we'll, we'll, yeah. It. Okay, you ready? You can do it now, and then we'll Why? just, I'll just, just throw things. it in at the end. <laughs> uh, so the dad says, uh, "What are you drinking, son?" And the son says, "Soy milk." And the dad says, "Hola, milk. Soy padre." That's excellent. That's a really good one. I think we've peaked. <laughs> and now we can't do any more. We peaked at dad jokes. All right, we're going to start for realsies. Um, everyone. Oh, that's too loud. Okay, reduce it. Hey, everyone. It's too quiet. Go back up. <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of High Five on the Road. Uh, this is where I bring the microphones on the road with me, and I get to interview other people other than High Five staff. This time, I'm in a hotel room at the ACCT, Association for Challenge Course Technology Conference. And I am really, really excited and fortunate to be able to arrange this because he unfortunately moved away uh, to the chagrin of most people in the Northeast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he did move away for good, positive reasons. But it is the person that actually essentially brought me to work at High Five, and that is Chris Ortiz. So I'm going to let him introduce himself and give a little bit backstory on maybe uh, what he's doing now. We'll get into why, how he got to here, but we'll just say what he did now. So over to you. Okay. Um, Chris Ortiz. I am a program director at Shavers Creek Environmental Center. I run our team development program, and I'm an instructor in the Recreation Parks Tourism Management Department at Penn State. Awesome. And before that, what did you do? I was a director of training at High Five Adventure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and most people probably listen to this, uh, uh, know the name Chris Ortiz, or have interacted with him at conferences. He did a lot of conferences. I did so, do a lot of conferences. <laughs> so there's very likely you may have gone to a workshop at some point. Um, but what... I, you know, I don't want to get on... I'll get onto this maybe later about how, how we were first mm. introduced. But what... This is a question I always ask everyone that's come on to this, because I think this is valuable for uh, students or any emerging pre- professionals, is figuring out like how to get into this field. And that is actually, if we go to the origin of how we met, actually the first thing I asked you. So this right. is truly like a circle piece where it's all come together and now I'm interviewing you and asking you the exact same question. But I remember seeing you and asking you, how do, what, do I work at High Five? But what was your pathway that ended up working in at Penn State now? Right. Uh, in, in a short way. I do feel like we're having a little deja vu. We should be on a couch yeah. up above Frost Valley. I know. It's very weird. <laughs> Sitting down looking yeah. at the dining hall. I'm going to give you some, uh, some professional advice. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because I had to think about this recently for um, a talk that I was doing about sort of what my career path and how I started and how I got into the field. And for me, there was an interesting sequence of events in that throughout my entire childhood, the only camps I ever attended were sports camps, Hmm. soccer camps and stuff like that. Um, So I didn't really get exposed to outdoor education or challenge courses or team building. And I thought through up until college and and I stumbled upon the recreation major accidentally. I I went to Penn State originally Mm -hmm. um, uh, for my undergraduate degree and I went in as a secondary math education. I was good at math. I wanted to teach. I knew that pretty early, but I, so I just put those two things together and I pretty quickly realized like I was Mm -hmm. kind of nervous about the fact that there was a very rigid schedule and a small box I would be in. That's kind of how I envisioned Mm -hmm. it in my college days. So I switched to exercise sports science or what is now kinesiology. And I just made the box bigger and I was going to be a phys ed teacher. Yeah. That only lasted a semester. Um, until I kind of stumbled around the system a little bit, searching for a major and a career path. Here I am in my sophomore year mm. of college and not really in a path yet. And I yep. found recreation, um, recreation park management then, now recreation park tourism management at Penn State now. Um, took a couple of classes and definitely felt like I found my people. I did a program called Outdoor School, which is a week-long program for fifth graders in environmental education and you have nature names and then there's just was a lot of magic there i learned mm. that that was sort of where i got my first taste of of outdoor education environmental education being outdoors and the power of that sort of community experience mm-hmm. um but it wasn't until a little bit later that i realized i had done team building stuff before because yeah. when i was in seventh grade our middle school did a outdoor school type program 
um, it was facilitated by our teachers mm. and the counselors were high school juniors and seniors. Mm -hmm. When I was a junior and a senior in high school, I also was a counselor for this, it was, I think, three day, a three-day prog program in the Poconos in yeah. Pennsylvania. And, um, and I remember the, the, it was the health teacher who did a nitro crossing and had done trolleys and some other team building as his station at mm -hmm. this program. And at the time, I didn't know I was doing team building. I, and it wasn't until much, much later reflection that I realized, wait a minute, I've done this stuff before. Yeah. This thing that's my career now, I, I actually did have prior. But I can't call that the transformative experience in any way because I, I don't think I really even knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but So it really was not for me until college when mm. I found the major recreation and started working at Shavers Creek actually and volunteering there and um, got involved with their team development program back in the 90s mm. as a student facilitator and got my first trainings from some of the folks who I now work with to this day. It's yeah. really interesting. My life has come very full circle mm -hmm. in the last 25 years. Uh, but that was, you know, and I did my internship at the Holbert Outdoor Center up in Fairleigh, Vermont. Yeah. And really got hooked into the ropes course side of things high ropes that was really my first introduction to specifically ropes courses i had done a lot of climbing in college and mm. caving but most of my team building was initiative based uh low ropes and initiative based and so mm -hmm. high ropes i just had had a little bit of an exposure in one class i took in college and then um i didn't become sort of a professional facilitator till holbert yeah and then I bounced around New England for 20 years. Mm -hmm. The bulk of that 20-some years was at High Five, luckily yep. for me. But um, but there was uh, a long and winding road before that yeah. from one facility to another facility, sort of chasing down uh, which, port, which part of experiential education I was going to be attached to, where my passions were. Like, I mm -hmm. knew I wanted to be outdoors. I knew I wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. Those two were givens. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know if it was environmental ed, which is really what I was learning in college, mm -hmm. with a little bit of experiential outdoor ed mm -hmm. kind of mixed in, more on the hobby side, I would yeah. say. And then I got to Holbert and got fully engrossed in the uh, high ropes course team development world. Mm -hmm. Really like that. And then I, my next job, my next professional job was at the Vermont Institute of Natural Science working with birds of prey. Oh, I was wearing the t-shirt. You were? No. <laughs> The uh, and I worked there for two or three years. Um, there it is, Vince. Um, I was working there for a couple of years yeah. and uh, went back to my environmental ed time. And I yeah. thought it was right around then that I had to make a decision. I felt like I had to make a decision. Like the, the environmental ed definitely didn't feel like the right fit hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, I liked taking people outside. I just didn't think that I wanted to teach them about the plants and the animals and the birds and the things that were going on out mm -hmm. there as much as I wanted them to have a good positive community experience. So it was for me, it was definitely about the social interaction. Mm -hmm. That's what was driving my passion was that's why I liked teaching. It was not necessarily always the content as much as it was the social dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so really when, when you start to realize that stuff, team building, team development is a natural fit because you're yeah. doing the teaching about social dynamics, which is what yeah. really got me excited about it anyway. And I think that, you know, our paths are so very similar. Mm. And I think that's probably where we were able to connect because yeah. um, I think that, you know, the, the, the similar pieces, we were struggling to find a thing. Yeah. You know, we both, you know, I, I went in college, I was... You were education too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I did I did um, uh, sports science. Right. So there's that kinetology. And I did uh, English literature only because I used to like reading. But I was I was grabbing at anything that I enjoyed. But yeah. realized that when I look back at my past as a kid, I enjoyed teaching stuff to people. Yeah. You know, I I did boys brigade, which is sort of like a scoutsy thing. Um, it's mainly in, in England and I know Africa does it, but mm. it's – semi semi-religious but it's centered around the like these the same ideals of, right. of boy scouts um and i i became a boy scouts leader and i used to love teaching the younger kids stuff yeah and so that was my thought of like oh i'm gonna be a teacher my mom worked in right. with, with uh, special ed kids in the school and thought maybe this is where i want to go mm -hmm. but i could never find the thing that i liked yeah. and that was the thing i knew i liked teaching but i couldn't find a thing i wanted to teach this and is, so that's such a challenge as, a, as someone who wants to teach someone. Yeah. Like, I want to teach you, but I don't know what I want to teach you. Yeah, this is the drum I've become 
you know, the drum I beat at Penn State, which yeah. is as I have these students who are coming through my class, I teach a leadership and group dynamics class. And one of the last exercises I have them do is to write a vision statement. Mm. You know, I mean, they're in various levels of their college career. And I think they take it more, more or less seriously, depending on where they are in their lives. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Um, a younger college student might just think it's another assignment I have to do, Mm -hmm. but I do see some of the older students and, and some of the more, sort of so the ones who I think have already started to figure out what their path was, they really take it seriously and write some pretty, pretty remarkable things about Mm -hmm. sort of, it's not necessarily, you know, it's about finding that thing you're passionate about. You know, um, if you, you know, there's a lot of adages about, you know, love what you do, do what you love kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. And, um, I have that tag off of an old, uh, t-shirt. Um, I think I told this story at ACCT conference, maybe, um, at last year's when I did the tech talk, but I had a buddy of mine in college and it's really, I mean, it's sort of indicative of this a buddy of mine in college after we had gotten out of college and I was kind of bouncing around new England, trying environmental ed, outdoor ed. I was, you know, got, uh, you know, setting up rock climbs, uh, mm-hmm. for wilderness trips and that sort of thing. He gave me this long sleeve t-shirt that had two boots on it. It said, not all who wander are lost. Mm. And for me, there was sort of a mantra there. It was like, yeah, I, I'm wandering a little bit and I can feel that, but I'm not lost. Like I'm, I'm seeking, I'm on mm-hmm. a journey here. But the tag at the bottom, which was, I think is trade, like part of their trademarky kind of stuff is do what you love and love what you do mm-hmm. on this little tiny tag. And when mm-hmm. that fell off, I kept it. I still have it in, in yeah. a box on my nightstand at home. Um, but it just was a reminder to me that, yeah, I need to find that thing that I love. Mm. Not because it's not going to feel like work. I work a lot, and I yeah. work long days sometimes, and it's yep. tiring. And I and I, but I I love the work, and so mm. it keeps me coming back. And, yeah, you know, if you don't have some kind of passion there, it's hard to like keep punching the clock. No, I, w- I was saying to people today that there's there's certain things that keep you going at it. Like when yeah. someone, you know, from a teaching perspective, when someone has an aha moment, I have to, I've referred to this before in this podcast as muggles. Like people who don't <laughs> understand the magic. Yeah, yeah. But you finally have that realization of the magic right. and they get it. And yeah. I feel it, 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 it does feel a little bit, you know, I don't like that sometimes we're, I find that we're too modest. Mm. And I'd like us to be more confident in saying what we, what transformations yeah. we do. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, I came home one time and I got a letter from a client, and this is not to brag about me, but who said, and I know that most people who listen to this do have similar experiences, where they said, the the, the thing that you just did changed my life. Mm. And that I said that to my wife and my wife smirked because yeah, it yeah. seems like too big. Right. But I think that it's okay for us to sometimes accept that that's we are doing some stuff that is pretty yeah. powerful stuff. And we, we did wander around trying to find something we liked. Yeah. And there's that adage of those who can't do teach. And I really frust- that oh, frustrates me because yeah. I, I know a lot of teachers who are phenomenal. And for me, I want... As a kid, I wanted to be a teacher. Like, I remember yeah. as a kid, oh, yeah. like, you know, those stories are like, you pick a profession and they're, they're the odd ones, like, you're going to become an astronaut, which is yeah. very small. But, yeah. you know, like, I did as a kid want to be a teacher. I felt yeah. like I was good at being able to teach people how to do stuff. I wasn't, I didn't mean I wasn't good at it. Yeah. But I, I liked the concept of allowing someone else to figure it out. Right. And so I think that I passed that on to now I think I'm a good teacher and an educator. But it doesn't mean I'm not bad at facilitation. It's like I think I can yeah. teach people how to be facilitators, and I think that's important. I have an old letter that's similar to that that I, I wonder if I still have it. But it, So I was working at Vins, actually, mm-hmm. and I was working with Birds of Prey, and I was doing some programming. And this this woman who must have only been a few years younger than me, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I was so I'm post-couple post jobs, so I must have been in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um but she was in college and she wanted to work with birds and she wanted to do environmental ed kind of a thing like mm-hmm. I was doing. And she wrote me this pretty detailed letter of thanking me for showing her parents that she could have a career in mm. this thing. Cause she was like taking them yep. to show them this thing. And then they, they like, it kind of clicked for them that weekend. They're like, Oh, you want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. He does some really cool stuff. I could see why you, I could see that that's a career now. And they yeah. hadn't gotten it before that. So it's just like, finding those things that like make make you click uh, yeah. Rachel Haley did a, a a talk a tech talk today at ACCT yeah. on diversity but one yes. thing that she did mention on it was that people want to see themselves role models I wrote that down 
Yeah, and I think that that is what we're sort of doing. Yeah. I know we, you know, we're both white males, so it's right. like from that for the diversity thing, that's not as apparent. I'm half Puerto Rican. Uh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make sure that's that's out there. Um, oh, I got a dad joke then. Oh yes. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have that later. Uh, okay. All right. Do it now. Well, no, it's just no because I've got such an important thing to say. Oh, but no, you should so say I your cut dad you joke. Off. <laughs> No, I feel that. No, it's okay. This is perfect. Well, I don't cut this because this is authentic. The, um, the stupid, like, so yeah. I'm half okay. Puerto Rican yes. and we joke that my kids are Puerto Ricans. <laughs> so. That's great. That's that's very good. Right, um, sorry. No, no, but we did. But I think like in, in, in sort of like the way the... Um, I think that students look up to us and yeah. see us as an option, as a viable field, because right. we have people come by and they will ask the question, like, how do you work a high five? And it's not from a place. It, yes, it's a place if they want to work at a cool organization. But right. I also think it's a legitimacy piece. Yeah. Because when I worked at Outdoor Ed, I used to struggle to find it legitimate. It was based at a summer camp and there's nothing to s- disparage summer camps, but it, Outdoor Ed's. I think they need to do a slightly better job of separating themselves slightly as a profession. Mm. But it, they get called camp counselors often, and it, you, you want to try to find legitimacy in the work yeah, that you right. do. So you're, you're trying to look at else who else in the field is doing work that I feel like I could replicate in some way. Yeah. And so it makes me feel like I could belong in this environment. Right. But going back to the like the feel-goody kind of like message that you got from this person, I actually have an email folder and that says it's called feel goods and it's anyone that sends me an email that's like hey just by yeah, the yeah. way you did a great job or something nice i have that now it's uh, that's more about my own insecurity <laughs> <laughs> well we have I'm the imposter late- syndrome thing, yeah right? no I, i've brought that up several yeah, times I, and i've, I've heard think, you bring that up and yeah. i definitely have resonated with that yeah. moment of thinking like you know and i feel awkward when we go to the conference and people see me in the exhibit hall and you guys make comments <laughs> about like oh he can't get through without <laughs> saying hi to 15 people but like I just try to be friendly with everybody, yes. and then and then there's sort of this, you know, ripple effect of like that. I don't know. The, so I know a lot of people. I, it, it's all connection, and I think that's up. But I have this imposter, high. like I don't deserve yes. any accolades from that. It's yeah. just I happen to have a lot of friends that I've connected with. And yeah, but but I, I but I, I think we all sort of feel that, and so for me, that feel good email thing. If I've had a tough day at work, yeah. and it, that's, I think it's important to say that this isn't an easy job. Like there are hard parts of it. Right. The travel can be taxing. Yeah. If you have a family, and I know we both relate to the like the having the family oh, yeah. thing. All right. So th- there are parts to the work that make it tough. And so when you're having a rough time, those positive remarks are mm. really important. Right. So I'm gonna. This actually ties me into something, and okay. I'm try, and I'm and I'm I'm gonna try not to be gushy, but I do feel like. Don't. <laughs> I know that both of us are empathetic, emotional beings. Yes. So it's going to hurt me more than it hurts yeah, you. No, I could hurt us both. But but I I brought up a times where we talk about who in the field has influenced you in some oh, yeah. way, and um, you know, oftentimes I don't think people hear that they have influenced someone as in the in we never have the opportunity to share that with the person, or or we don't own it and we don't share it right but we sometimes don't see them anymore there's other people who have influenced me that i don't interact with and i never see so i don't think that i'll ever be able to thank them for this one moment in fact just this shout out but no one knows this person but when i was at college um i had a i worked for a sports team i i I ended up being part of a sports team and the captain of that sports team a a guy named joby hobbs what which is a great name joby hobbs joby hobbs we used to call him hobie jobs (laughs) right (laughs) and he's english he's english does he live in a little hut with a door around he very definitely definitely could be (laughs) but he I, I, I think he's similar to you in the I don't think you want to to the imposter thing, but he was incredibly easy to connect with. Mm. And um, from a leader perspective, I remember looking up to him in such a big way as a, as a new student in this college. Right, right. And then he left, right? He was, he was a senior. Yep. Just that well, one year, goes. he left. Three years later, I was the captain of that same team. And I remember yes. being like, I have to be, I want to try to be like Hobie. Yeah, yeah. Even though his name was Joby. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> you know, and, and recently I m- messaged him on Facebook and I just brought this up to him. He had no clue. No idea. No idea. He knew the work that I did. And I just said, yeah, yeah. I want you to know that some of the work that I do is but thanks to you. Yeah. Now, yeah. he'll either take that as a, oh, that's a weird comment from a guy I haven't right. spoken to in 
12 years sure, or yeah. he's going to see that positively. But anyway, I encourage people who are listening to this to try to reach out to those people because I yeah. would like to hear from other people who reach out to me too. But, yeah. you know, I think that we don't reciprocate it. So going back to our connection, I accredit me being a high five to you, Chris Ortiz. So, and I, and I know that, that I've mentioned this before, but um, I was very fortunate to see you at a conference and I asked you the exact same question I sort of asked at the start, like, how do I work at High Five to you? Yeah, right. And I find that, and I'm trying to emulate this. So if other people, there was someone who called the office recently and I gave the same sort of speech that you yeah, gave yeah. me because I want to try to emulate that and I encourage people to do it in the sharing environment we do. But you gave me a six-year plan. It yeah. wasn't like a, was all right, a you need to do a lot of work, good luck, or get a ton of experience, good luck, which sometimes yeah, you yeah. receive like oh you'll be you'll be good enough in a few years it was very specific around conferences i should attend trainings i should attend right. the years of work i do need to accumulate and these and eventually present and all of these steps that i could take right, right. i remember and yeah i know well, what the, so the the craziest part of this is that you did remember that because i would have not thought that you would have remembered that so i'm going to ask you a question i don't know if you know the answer to this Maybe. it speaks more to me it's asking for a compliment from mine but why did you remember that <laughs> well and so i do remember this because I've heard you talk about this story before yeah. on the podcast, maybe, or in other venues. But so what I did was gave you a test, a, cha- a quiz. I gave yeah. you a test and then you thanked me for it. <laughs> but what I, I could see, I was just talking to a, a dear friend, an old High Five client, mm-hmm. Kim Bohannon, in, yeah. in the exhibit hall there. And we were talking about... She met you and she quickly, and she met Lisa for the first time. And she mm-hmm. hasn't seen the High Five crew in many four, four yeah. or five years since she moved to North Carolina out from the Northeast. And she, and we started talking, and the, the phrase we kept using is that we were cut from the same cloth. Mm. And what we were mean, what we meant by that was that, like, there are a lot of people who have the skills that you want in a High Five trainer, but it's a, it's a personality and a fit. And it feels like they part, they're a part of the fabric mm-hmm. of the organization we're trying to create. Mm. And you can hire somebody who has the best skills in the field. And there were people who probably applied when you applied that were maybe had more skills. Mm. But the reason I remember that is because I was giving you this thing because I knew you could do it. Like mm. you, were, you were of the right cloth. You 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 were high five material, and that here sounds egotistical from the high five perspective. But what yeah. I mean is, like, you could see that this was somebody who would mesh well mm. in the environment that we had, the community that we were building mm-hmm. at High Five. You were somebody that, who who fit into that and had a passion mm-hmm. for the same things that we were passionate mm-hmm. about. And that's one of the things I preach to my students all the time now is that the whole reason I have them do the visioning exercise at the end of the semester is because when you go work for somebody, you should be, you should be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that it's a fit. I've worked at lots of places where you could tell pretty quickly that I am, I am different than this place. Um, My philosophies, the way I, what I'm passionate about doesn't align with the organization. So mm-hmm. that conversation up on a balcony in at uh, Frost Valley, Frost Valley yeah. um, I was talking to somebody who was of the same cloth as the High Five yeah. brand, and so I, I saw it as an opportunity. It's that recruiting moment of saying, mm-hmm. like, "All right, we got to keep an eye on this guy." Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got. A, I was just talking to Kevin Trump, who I know you yeah. interviewed recently, and there's a former student of ours from Penn State who is floating around out there in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. at a camp, and, and I said to Kevin, "We got to keep an eye on her." But yeah, I, I I remember that with you. I remembered it with Anne Louise. See, I see students who leave our, who are college, and you're like, yeah, that that one's going to be good. Yeah. Some you know once they get get a chance to experience some stuff, go to a couple of get some other perspectives. Because mm-hmm. I think that was the other thing that, um, and I and I hope this was in my advice to you was to not just get your perspective from one place. Yeah. Like. Yeah, you could come to every high five training that we had, mm-hmm. and you'll get seen, and you'll get. And I think that was probably one of the things I told you to do is just yep. to be seen yep. by the other trainers and the other staff around high five because mm-hmm. you get known by, from that because uh, it's about relationships, mm-hmm. especially at high five. Um, but for me, it was also about diversity of experience. I had some former colleagues who had worked at the same summer camp for 15, 20 years, which is great because of traditions and you feel like a tie to it, but. Um, Occasionally, you got to go branch out and learn something from somebody else. Yeah. And, and then when you learn that, what you may very well learn from them is that I don't like that. 
Yeah. I like that over there. I yeah. mean, really, the reason I was felt good about going back to Shaver's Creek is it, it was the first place that I set my bar that I yep. measured other places around. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I f- set my first mark. And then I was comparing all of my early places to the environment that I felt like I f- was feeling when I was a student mm-hmm. at Shaver's Creek. And then it didn't really, like, I mean, there was places that I connected with and people that I've connected with throughout the career. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that same exact family thing until mm. I was back at High Five. And they were like, ah, here it is again. Yep. And that's why I stayed for 10 years. I and mean, it was very quick before I, you know, the outdoor ed nomad was sort of the rite of passage. You go from place to place mm-hmm. doing seasonal gigs, finding those places that feel right. Holbert felt right when I was there, but it's yep. such a seasonal place that, that, that it did, you know, the, the atmosphere changed every season because uh, yeah. it's a new, new group of people. But when I got the high five, it was like, here's professional staff who feel like home. Yeah. And so I stuck around for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who, for, so well, thank you for, for the work that you did with me because I wouldn't be here. So that's one of the, like a, a thank you. Who was the person for you though? Like you, who was yeah. your Chris Ortiz? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, cause you ended up, I feel like we do have some very similar paths. Oh so yeah. Then- no. And I, I have, uh, I think I have, I have some mentors from my past. Again, there's, there's somebody who I think is similar to what you're talking about. This person from my past that I don't get to see. Mm. And they live, I think, and still live in my hometown. Well, no doubt they listen to this. I'm it's an, sure it's they an do. obvious. I'm sure they're they one do. Of the, they're one of the 300. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but my, so one of the things, one of the early forms of education that I did was coaching. Mm. So as a high school student, I was coaching youth soccer mm-hmm. as a high school. I was on the soccer field year round, you know, yep. um, hockey got kind of expensive to be at the rink all the time. And, and so that was a little expensive for my family to cut, but, um, soccer, you could play relatively inexpensively and, and mm-hmm. play year round, indoor, outdoor coaching. So I coached a lot and there was a guy, Stan Cowalder. Um, who was my coach when I was in youth programs and on travel teams when I was Mm -hmm. younger. And then when I was in high school, he invited me to be his assistant coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, so he, we were teaching, we were actually coaching an under 12 girls team. Um, And I was his assistant coach and he Mm kind of took me under his wing to show me. And so what I learned from him was had nothing really to do with outdoor ed. I think it just taught me how to be a good human. Uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not that I wasn't getting that from my parents, <laughs> you know, and all those things, but it was really how to lead young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I, the story that I always remember from him is sort of how you read people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of a, so we used to, this was before cell phones when you could like easily check in with one mm-hmm. another and mm-hmm. say like, Hey, I'm running a little late. Yeah. Dinosaurs were running the plane. They, they were, yeah, they yeah. were definitely, they were, we were worried about asteroids <laughs> hitting. Them. <laughs> but, uh, we would ha- leave for travel. We would meet at the mall as a team yep. and carpool to whatever travel game we were going to that weekend. Mm-hmm. And he would say, all right, Chris, meet me at nine 15. We're going to, we're going to leave at nine 15 to get on the road. Mm-hmm. And I would come ripping into the parking lot at like nine 20 because yeah. I was just, that's the kid I've always been. Yeah, it's been yeah. a little bit, just five minutes behind mm-hmm. everybody else <laughs> <laughs> running in like distracted yeah. by whatever it was, just couldn't get there on time. And then I, I pulled in and he was the only car in the lot. And I was like, Oh no, like I, yeah. I've made Stan wait for me. Um, and he sent on the rest of the team with the mm-hmm. parents. And, and I was like, sorry, Stan. And I jumped in his car and he goes, that's all right. You're 25 minutes early. Because we weren't leaving until nine forty-five, <laughs> I was like, "You sob," <laughs> and I didn't. I mean, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, so for for me, what that was doing was showing me like, the, here's a guy who, who he was leading in a way. He didn't make me feel bad about it. No, mm-hmm. but he was providing some space for me to learn mm-hmm. and uh, and but also like accommodating and being aware mm-hmm. of like. This is a kid I value his input and his and I and I want to take him under my wing. Mm-hmm. He's got this thing that he's I'm and I'm going to provide space for him to be successful, even though mm-hmm. he struggles with timeliness. I mean, it's sort of a silly one thing to do, but you know, I I could see that. So for me, it was a little bit of showing me somebody who was a leader and was aware of group dynamics, which mm-hmm. is what I teach now, right? So yeah, um, but mean, yeah, that was and then, so. If, 
very different from the challenge course world. But, yeah. But, you know, Paul Sawyer at Holbert was one of yeah. the first people who was sort of teaching me the ropes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a lot of in-house that's training. A, that's a classic pun the, that I don't, ropes, I, I use a lot. I say, hey, uh, let me show you the ropes. And then I point, <laughs> point at the ropes. <laughs> nice. And then that just gets a real big laugh. And I'm I get sure carried on shoulders. <laughs> and then and then I have to really control the group for about 20 minutes. Calm down, everyone. Calm down. That's a great pun. I'll I get it. I'll be here all week. Yeah, I'll get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but he taught me, you know, the the basics early on, and and again was a fantastic uh, boss. It's probably why I stayed at Holbert for so long. It's a seasonal place, and I stayed for three years, mm. and so it's partly because Paul became a good friend and a mentor, and yeah. and then um, that's actually where I first met Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, so back when I was working at uh, Holbert, mm-hmm. we had brought Jim and Carl in to mm-hmm. do kind of an opening play session, if I remember correctly, for a a conferencing group that had mm. come in and they were like drug and alcohol counselors, but mm-hmm. they wanted to do an activity based thing. And we brought them in. And that's uh, just, so just to clarify, Jim Grout, Jim executive Grout director, and Carl, Carl Ronke, Ronke, yeah, author of many books, many books and <laughs> one of the and founding of the team founding. of high five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So those two guys came down and this was, and I talked to Jim about this since, and I, we believe that it was like the first year of high five mm. when they came up and did that, little workshop session, I think it was only a couple hours, but all of us as staff mm-hmm. heard that Jim and Carl were going to be on campus. So we all ran to the, and like mm-hmm. participated alongside as we were working. Mm. I'm using air quotes right now, yeah. which is not good for yeah, radio. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that, you know, so one of my first exposures to, to the high five brand was in probably high fives first year mm. um, or first years, mm. maybe right around may have been end of PA Vermont days. I'm not sure. But, uh, and then, you know, when I, when I took my first switch back from environmental ed at VINs, I took a job at a YMCA summer camp in Southern New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Camp Dakota, and High Five was my vendor who was taking care of our course. And I started coming over to High Five and doing trainings. And Jim and I had a quick, a quick friendship, I think, that was part of the reason why I said, yeah, this is the place I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He and I connected really quick. I can remember the conversation where he offered me the my training position sitting mm. in the picnic tables outside of the Vermont Hall. Yeah. Um, wow. Having a conversation and he's like, you know, we're going to hire another full-time trainer. Is that something mm-hmm. you'd be interested in? I left the YMCA three months prior to being vested in my retirement account there. Oh. To this day, I'll remember. I just needed to stay there for like the yeah, rest of that that's... summer. But we needed, you know, they needed me mm-hmm. in the busy season, which was May. Mm. Couldn't wait till August when yeah. camp was over. Yeah. So I started in May. And uh, wow. I remember that. And I've been the... in debt ever since because I bought a house and, uh, you know. <laughs> well, it's all high five smoke. No, but, uh... <laughs> not at all. Jim, curse you, Jim no. Grout. No, it, was, it yeah. was like when I put my big boy pants on. I was like, uh, I got a real job. I got to buy a real house because d- camp isn't providing me housing anymore. It was the same deal that I had to go through. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was entering into the world where I had responsibilities. Responsibility, yeah. I recently had, uh, you probably relate to this, I recently had a, like a, a dream within a dream, Inception style re- yeah. realization the other day that I've got to a certain age where a lot of the people I hang out with, my friends, mm-hmm. are friends because. They're my daughter's friend's parents. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, yeah. curse you, age. <laughs> well, we realized uh, most of my friends, uh, honestly, in, in central Pennsylvania, probably are people I work with mm. in some yep. capacity. No. Yeah. Not necessarily because, but we know, we, I was just talking to my wife about this the other day, that we moved a couple of times and mm-hmm. the kids have moved schools a couple of times. Um, and so... We don't have a set of parents that we've known since our kids were little. Oh, yeah. Because when we moved down there, they yeah. were already kind of middle school age. So mm. we do have parents. I do have... You have my, parents. I have parents, but my kids' <laughs> friends' parents also are also have parents. Also have parents. It's amazing how oh, that my. works. How does... The, is this how... Is this... I have yet to have been told the birds and the bees story. Is this, is this the story that we all have parents? We all have parents. It's okay. not... There's not a big bird. Okay, everyone. This is breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Um, well, wait till I tell all, you about that bunny with the eggs. Oh my god! <laughs> no, wow. Um, do they have parents? <laughs> they have parents as well. Uh, no, they. Um, but yeah, like there, there is this point, point, and you realize that. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
You're an adult. I'm an adult. I have. It's, it's happening. But the responsibility thing, I like it's the same. I left the camping world. Yeah. And I left the camping world and realized that I had an, an adulthood. Is it and Peter was, Pan syndrome? Is that what like camp yeah. allows you? Like, where I you think so. Ever you get to kind of always be a kid if you live yeah. in camp? Yeah. And I think it's awesome if you stay in it. Yeah, I'm yeah. nothing against that. But I do know people who've been there a long time. And I don't think that it's like, uh, I guess they're set. This is unrelatable. <laughs> but if they were in prison, you know, when you leave, <laughs> I feel like it's bad. So, like, the, the scene in Shawshank you know oh yeah yeah but yeah so that's probably what camp is like right <laughs> no i mean i think we solved all problems we here. Saw all of them. no i think uh yeah like the camp connection thing was definitely um a gateway for me to get into this field but i knew for me i had to i had to I think it was so poignant for me that i say i was in debt right from that moment was because i remember specifically we had gotten to zero College loan had just been paid off recently. Mm. We had no car loans. We were living at a camp that provided room, maybe not always mm. board, but mo- sometime of the year we had food as well. Um, like we were, we, we were at zero. We owed nobody yes. money. And then I took the job at High Five, which yep. had a real salary, mm-hmm. but we bought a house, which is where the debt part, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be good debt, but unfortunately we bought it in 2007 and that was not a good time to buy. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think it was just poignant moment and it was like the turning point. Uh, we uh, were, you know, I, I think I had just turned, th- it was like in the same month of April, I took a new job, found out we were having another kid, I think, had a birthday, uh, bought a house. It was like- How old did you? How old? This was when Indy was born, probably. Yeah, so it was 30, I was 32 when okay. she was born. When you took the job at High Five? Oh, when I took the job at High Five, I was- Oh gosh, I gotta do math. Uh, 2006, so mm. I was 32. Okay, right around that year. Yeah, so 32. It's interesting. I was younger, but the the, the piece like when I took the job. Yeah, and I do remember there also. I have vivid remembrance of the the you offering me the job because I said no, and then that's right. <laughs> oh my god! But, but uh, when I did take the job, we we moved and then found out that Danny was pregnant. There you go. Like so maybe high five makes babies. Is, I'm learning more. <laughs> I'm, learning I'm learning more about the birds and the bees. And I've, what I found I did out not is, think this is where this was going. This and what way. I found out is that everyone has parents. And if you join high five, you might have a kid later. I really, really am looking forward to the edited version of this, <laughs> which will include all of this because it's hard to edit. Um, so another question I have in my mind is that we were in. That's where I keep my ideas and my thoughts in okay. my mind. That's good. Another, um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is what a podcast sounds like at nine o'clock at night after a long day at ACCT conference. Come to a conference, lose your mind, find out about parents. Anyway, so uh, something I have in my mind that is an yeah. idea. That's good. That's where they live. Good. Keep keep going with that and thought. I, and and then the words they come out of the mouth hole uh, is that. We, I was in a pre-con with Lisa, and we were talking about The Struggle is Real. But the, there's a section in, in our Tinker book, and I wish oh, – I have it in, over in my bag, but I'm not going to grab I've I don't. Um, but there's a section in it about facilitation. Yeah. And the piece is – it's. I think the the question is what else? What are you good at? And mm-hmm. I don't. And it doesn't mean a facilitation. So we've talked about like the human oh, yeah. connection piece, right? So outside of this world, and I think this is an important practice for new facilitators to think about, is outside of because you don't have to drop all the other stuff you're good at into right. facilitation. And that was where we were talking about with right. struggle because you end up copying mentors. Like mm-hmm. you see someone run an activity at a conference we're at, and then you try to replicate that identically, and it sounds dumb. Yeah. And it's not that the activity was bad. It's that you weren't being authentic. So you're not yeah. being yourself. So the question was like, what else are you good at that you think that has impact in the work that you might do now? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> it's a good question because like, I think about like, what are my hobbies now? Yeah. And I have been trying to figure out how to do team building on a disc golf course. I haven't quite <laughs> figured it out. Although I have helped. I've done like some staff retreats yeah. where like I bring along the whole all the discs I own and we play and that, mm-hmm. but that's that's not necessarily connected to what you're saying here that's uh that's just a hobby <laughs> but this came up a long time ago yeah. so I'll I'll delay answering the question by telling a story that's very smart and yeah. so this is a facilitation technique yeah uh, stories <laughs> stories are fantastic <laughs> and maybe that's what my my other skill is maybe I just backed into the answer here but um, 
Ryan and I did the play note for AEE in Jacksonville in 2011, maybe. Mm -hmm. If I had to think back, that's probably um, probably the year. But anyway, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and we were the we were the opening play note. And the thing I loved about that moment is one of the things that Ryan and I share as a passion was music. Mm. Um, not that we play music, although Ryan is pretty good at creating music, whether it be digitally or, or mm -hmm. playing as playing as well. I just have always fiddled around playing around with a guitar, but I love listening. I've always have music on. I'm driving. Mm -hmm. I have music on. I have music on on planes, walking around downtown. I might put music on. I really love soundtracks to my life. And, mm -hmm. and I think movies that I've really connected with, I've noticed have really good soundtracks. Mm -hmm. Garden State good movie that yeah. just has a really great soundtrack singles was mm -hmm. the movie of my college days because that's the music i listened to mm. um but anyway uh so we were able to incorporate music into that play note where we had activities that were based on music so instead of high five mingle mm -hmm. we had a music mingle and every time the song changed you found a new dance partner mm. that and so we were just trying to twist things on their head and ryan had cre created the earlier editions of monkey see monkey do mm -hmm. uh, which w again was his love of art but all and graphic design but also there was music mm. to that and so the soundtrack to the early monkey see monkey do was some pretty cool old video game sounds and yeah. things like that so yeah. i think it's just there's been that part that was really fun i, I don't have that technological side of me but i've mm. i enjoyed sort of playing music i know that justin mcglamory and and rich and mike guess always would play music mm -hmm connected to um activity mm -hmm. and i always thought that was really cool mm -hmm. i i'm too scatterbrained to be able to keep track of what th this is how scatterbrained like i intended this semester for every class i was going to write a quote because i love gathering quotes yeah and, um i was going to put a quote on the one whiteboard in my classroom that was related to what we were talking about you know how many days out of six classes that we've had this semester how many days do you think i did it one yes the first one <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I cheated on one other day because there was a quote in a PowerPoint that I was showing. Yeah, and you said, I that just, counts. And I was like, there's the other quote that I was going to give you. Um, write that down. <laughs> I, I once carried a, a um, I blew up a beach ball for a group. I was going to do an activity. And I also sometimes decide in the middle of a sequence to go on to something else because I think it will work better. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like blowing up this ball. They're chatting amongst themselves. I blow it up and then I'm like in the middle, I finish. And then I'm like, I don't want to use that. You set it aside. I set it aside. And then I carried it around and then I forgot to use it. And so well, they were like, what was that the point of that? And then I just deflated it. But that is a fantastic, and I learned that from Carl Ronke, actually. Yeah. That's a fantastic attention getter, mm. which the story he shared, and, and again, as stories you know, get older, you, you start to lose some of the details. But mm -hmm. here's what I remember. There were unicorns? <laughs> no, it was... You were 12 feet tall. The story was that he was trying to get a large group's attention and he had a ping pong ball. And so he pulled, he goes, Hey everybody, I want you to look at this. And he held the ping yep. pong ball out and the group like hushed and got really close to see this thing that he was going to mm -hmm. show him. And he goes, it's just a ping pong ball. I just needed your attention. And he put it in his pocket. Yeah. But when you do that, I remember there's, you know, um, you have this game bag that mm -hmm. everybody's just intrigued by. I might not use anything out of it, but, yeah. but it's a way to get their attention in a way. Yeah. Especially kids. I feel like that works well. If you have your game bag in the corner and they're like having fun, you go over to the bag, they're all like, what's you going to get? Mm. And then they're just quiet and then you can move on. <laughs> I think I, I used to use those way more when I was doing outdoor red yeah. because I'd make interpretive hikes and it would be hiking and people wouldn't be yeah, that excited yeah. sometimes to be walking. And I would run and then dive on the ground as if I'd caught something. And I'd be like, oh my God, I finally found it. Finally found it. And everyone run, come see. And then I just, boop. And there was nothing in my hands. But it was like that exact same thing. And then they hated me. Um, so what I'm extremely noticing, bad so you, you, I feel like you are a living dad joke. Uh, very good. You're be. the living embodiment of a dad joke. I would admit that, that the other day I was dropping <laughs> if my... If a dad joke had legs <laughs> and arms, it would be filled out. I dropped uh, Ella off at school. And then, I don't know, I was in a funny mood and I did something goofy. And then she just, the teacher comes over, I'm walking away. I'd already left. And I could hear in the background, Ella... <laughs> trying to cover for me. She, <laughs> she kept saying, my, uh, Miss Kathy, my daddy's just silly. My daddy's just silly. I, I've got a silly daddy. And then I was That's like, so great. wow, my daughter's covering for me because I'm a goofy dad. <laughs> I, uh, I, think it's, I love it. I think it's fun. Um, I don't know what we were talking about, but I think, I don't know I think you all 
folks listening just heard a masterclass on how to avoid a question because I never actually answered his question about what I'm good. I just deflected, he he deflected. told a story. So yeah. maybe, maybe that's my other hidden talent is uh, storytelling, storytelling, gathering stories. Like I don't think I'm a storyteller necessarily. Mm. I do remember. He never in, tells them. He just keeps them. Yeah. I do like story. collecting quotes. Like I, yep. I read a lot of youth, um, young adult literature now because mm. for two reasons one is they're a quick read and so you get a really good story really fast mm. and i can feel like i accomplished something because <laughs> i can read it in a couple of weeks or a week or a day or whatever it depends on the book yeah but um when i'm reading books i often like will hear a line and in the context of the story i'm like oh i want to remember that and i'll like jot down the line from the story mm-hmm. because it had this impact on me when i was reading and i was like oh that's a good quote and it like really resonated with what the character was going through and then um Sometimes the problem is I'll read them later and out of context of the book I was just reading, I'm like, that's a dumb quote. <laughs> like, oh, it doesn't yeah. mean anything. <laughs> but in the moment, it was really good. Um, so I do, I do like, I think for me, uh, the thing that I lean on, and, I, and I've said this before, so I will actually answer the question. It's, this is... Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> this is, because this is a hard one to admit because yeah. it's sort of a humble brag in a way. But mm-hmm. like, one of the things I feel like I'm good at is just being friendly yes and i can attest to that and anyone listening to this will obviously know that i i joke that and and you know he doesn't like this i joke that he's the pope of chili town (laughs) (laughs) i haven't heard that in a while (laughs) that's simpson he thinks he's the pope of chili town wow because he'll walk into a room and and 10 feet away to get to you but he has to greet every damn person before he gets to me (laughs) but it's just uh, it's not George Costanza level where I can't have anybody not like me it's yes whatever but I I I feel like I try to be somebody who is respectful and then earn that respect you know I always had this little soapbox that I would talk about with students or with groups about trust and how Trust is not something I can say, trust me. Mm-hmm. I have to behave in a trustworthy manner. I have to earn that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is the same thing with the way I carry myself. I, if I want to be respected in the field, I have to behave in a way in which I feel will gain me respect from my community. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's sort of my other hidden talent, so to speak, is that I just try to be... I. This is a this is an embarrassing admi- admission here on the podcast. Um, breaking news. Break, no, it's not breaking because it happened in 1992. Uh, breaking olds. <laughs> breaking olds. <laughs> if you were to go find the Quakertown Community High School 1992 yearbook, you would I find have you'd have it. <laughs> you would find myself and my good friend Jill uh, Jill Lighty voted friendliest seniors. And so this oh, dates back to so, when I was in high school. Oh my god! Where I like, I mean, I can remember back in high school. One of the things is like I wanted to be able to go to any place. I wanted to be able to be comfortable anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I was friends with the with the folks who were athletes, and I was friends with the mm-hmm. folks who you know maybe were less popular and a little bit you know the, who might have been referred to as the nerdier crowd. Mm. I was friends with everybody I could get connected with. Um, because I wanted to be comfortable in any room I went in. And mm-hmm. so if, you know, the, the metal heads and the jocks and the nerds, mm-hmm. all the stereotypical things, like I just tried to blend in with everybody. I was just trying to be mm-hmm. a part of every group. Mm-hmm. Hence got voted friendly a senior, I think, mm-hmm. because there were very few fe- people in my senior class who I didn't at least try to mm-hmm. be friendly with in some way. So that's kind of carried forward, I think. It's just sort yeah. of a... It's definitely, I feel like I have gotten more recognition in my career for nothing earned other than just being nice. Yeah. It's sort of a silly thing, but I... But what a lesson for people who are listening, though. I do think that is an important lesson because yeah. I, I don't think that it, it, you take it as an an obvious given or maybe like, or at least like, well, why wouldn't I not be that? Right. Right? Like, I mean, I'm that's just sort of being what just I think to be authentically I be. who I am, but... But I think that for, you know, I don't, I think possibly it's a thing. It's, it's where my imposter syndrome comes from. Yeah. That's my version of an imposter yeah. syndrome is that I feel like I haven't earned this accolade because I'm good at this thing. Mm. I just, people are giving me this recognition because I was nice to them. 
and and it feels like a cheat. Yeah, and it, and and I also think it's weird how you often always give people ten dollars. It seems like it's odd. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's been difficult economy at different times. It went yeah. down to five dollars. The bills debt already. has just been just that was a recurring dream when I was in high school. Though was like really? that I didn't have any friends and that my parents were paying people to be my friends. Oh my! Well, that like, you should lay down on the couch or something. <laughs> we will talk about this in more depth. <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, so funny high school yearbook thing. I have a couple more questions. We're way over an hour, but. I want to make sure. You're not I mean, I, play this whole thing. No, I'm going to edit the hell out of this. Oh, okay. But I want to make sure <laughs> I get to two other things. But I want to just say this is possibly. I'll cut this part because it's embarrassing about me. But the I'll <laughs> keep all the embarrassing about you, and oh, then I'll perfect. I'll dub in like a robotic and Phil, you are great, <laughs> and fantastic. add that in. Good. But. Uh, you should no. just have Ella say it because yeah. everybody loves that. No, she'll it? just say, Dad is silly. She'll cover <laughs> for me. Um, Half of a father guy. Yeah. So I have had to record another one. Um, but uh, the high this high school yearbook, I yeah, also yeah. have an embarrassing high school yearbook. Okay. So I have two parts. Mine's embarrassing, actually, not because I was great or yeah. I was friendly, okay. but because I was an idiot. No, <laughs> no. no because I thought I was going to be funny. Yeah. Even then, I thought I was funny and I wasn't. Oh, what did you write under your picture? <laughs> yeah. So, two parts that make it funny. Uh, one is, is embarrassing. In fact, the whole thing is embarrassing. I put most memorable moments of the quote, most memorable, yeah. for the thing, most memorable moment. I put every moment was memorable. Oh, my God. What kind of kid am I? And then, I know, it's cringy. You were cheesy early. I was super cheesy. <laughs> you know, I was, pointing at, I was pointing at ropes and saying, hey, let me show you the ropes. And then I was getting carried on shoulders. Yes. No, uh, I was getting beaten to a pulp. <laughs> and then, uh, then in the, then in, uh, what was, oh, quote. So memorable yeah, moment oh, yeah. and quote. This is my quote. This has no reference to anything, but it's, remember you're not a salmon. And of course, you're not going to know what that means. No one in America would. And even people in England wouldn't unless they were watching TV at the exact age I was when I was graduating. Yeah. Because there was a commercial for oh. Kit Kats. I've seen I've this commercial. I've shown this to you. Yes, I've seen this commercial. And it was Jason Statham, young Jason yeah, yeah. Statham saying, remember, you're not a salmon. Yeah. Or something like that. And I thought this will be. It was. And I, I've, I thought this will be incredible. I'm going to write this in. and It's going to be memorable for all time. So realize that times change and you're not always cool. And I wasn't cool anyway. Further proof that Phil is a living embodiment of a dad joke. <laughs> and then the photo was the... Uh, the piece de resistance. Piece de resistance. That was the word I was saying. Creme de la creme. Yeah. The cherry on top. So I get into the room and they're taking the photos and I sit down, but I sit down for some reason not facing the camera. I felt in myself at the moment I had a better side. <laughs> <laughs> Did you turn around? No. So I sat so the, my better side was facing the camera. Yeah, yeah. But I was looking horizontally to the camera's perspective, 90 degrees from the camera's yeah, yeah. perspective. So, so I was looking. And then it's and then a flash, and I look and I said no 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 I wasn't even looking, and they said next and they <laughs> moved me that from. That is like totally out of uh, high so, school John Hughes high school movie. So this is my high school yearbook. I'm gonna maybe I'll keep this bit and try to find it because I've always said like I'm gonna have to try to get my mum to track this down because I don't have it here in the states, but it's my yearbook. It's the quote. Every moment is memorable. Ha- remember you're not a salmon and there's a side of my face and everyone else's is facing frontwards and it's just the side of my head in all of the many images of faces oh, so, great. so anyway that's my embarrassing last thing just to wrap this up is the question i haven't brought this question up for many interviews i sort of cut it out of interviews yeah yeah because i was only using it for high five stuff so i'm bringing oh, okay. it back special ah oh, partly because i got vision. bored of asking the question but i know that you had you at least i thought you've maybe prepped for this <laughs> i well I, there's a bunch of questions that i uh i have prepared answers from listening early podcasts. man well other questions um uh, this one is a very very important one um would you rather god <laughs> would you rather fight the horses a hundred horses that are the size of ducks or one duck the size of a horse I I've listened to the answers other people have given to this. Yeah, so because you, I'm a, I'm an avid listener of this podcast. I'm yeah, not just a yeah. guest but a, a listener. Yeah. Um, and there's a few, and I'm gonna forget who said it. In my mind, I'm calling Anne Louise out, but I'm not positive about that. But I am going with the hundred horses. Mm-hmm. I had horses as a kid. Mm. I had three of them. 
in my I had one, but my mom had two others or three. We had three horses, mm-hmm. um, and it, there's an a, there's a connection to equine therapy and adventure education, and some folks mm. doing some pretty cool stuff with horses. Quick, quick shout out, yeah, Amber. Thibodeau, she's our number. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's right. our, she's our number one fan. Yes. So she's going to love that love her name Amber's gets in there. Yeah, she comments on every episode. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> love it. Yeah. So there's like I think for me the hundred horses. Mm. I know I'm supposed to fight them. We already talked about how I like to be comfortable in every space of them. Like I want to and fight is an interpretive fight, word in, yeah, in, in in this right. question. So I'm grappling friend. with. Okay, great. I, I have a hundred, either the hundred of these tiny horses coming at me, or I have mm-hmm. this big duck. Mm-hmm. And I had ducks too as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had both of these mm-hmm. animals, and I would say this question that was designed for you. It, it was. Seems. So the ducks, yeah. my ducks that I had as a kid were less predictable behavior-wise. Uh, yeah. I have chickens now, and they're a little bit more predictable. But the ducks, I always felt like were a little bit less predictable. Maybe it was mm-hmm. my age or whatever. Mm-hmm. But horses, just like dogs, I always have felt like I can pay attention and read behavior off of them and, and pay attention. So if I had a hundred horses coming at me, hmm. I could maybe read the, what was going on. If they were coming at me, they're coming at me. And I guess I got to do, I guess mm-hmm. the fight or flight kicks in and you got to mm-hmm. do something. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather them be below my knees than I'd rather them, than be over my head. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. wife who's worked with animals for most of her early professional career always said she didn't want to work with an animal that she couldn't like sit on because you can immobilize it as opposed to big animals, which could hurt you and could yes. sit on you, you know? And so horses, big size horses, she's not, wasn't ever a huge fan of, mm. uh, because she couldn't immobilize them. No, no. And they're big and they're powerful, yeah. big, powerful animals. So yep. for me, a hundred horses would be super cute and cool mm. as well. Like, I think yep. that would be really yep. fun. Yep. And if you could just separate one from the pack, is mm. that not the perfect Ella would love? Oh no. It's like six, horse, 16. Right? That's like a lot of people would. Yeah. Pay so I think I would, uh, I would, because if I had to fight them off, they're small. Yeah, and I could, I could probably. Uh, I have a soccer background. If I had a hockey stick nearby, yeah, we could, we could do what we had to do. But I yeah. would be hope. I would hope that I'd be able to sort of. And uh, everyone knows that in soccer, you use a hockey stick, right? Well, no, I could do both of the sports that I grew up playing. I could kick this some, avid soccer player that you used using a stick, the, the soccer stick. Those were my two sports. Right? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I can mesh those skills together. Take yeah. on a little horse. Well, I, this isn't necessarily always like a psychological question, although I think it truly is. Because you chose to be the friends of the horses. I do. Which is summing up everything we talked about. (laughs) You're the Pope of the chili horses. Uh, There you go. So, yeah, they would, everyone would be friends, and you'd be like, oh, God, he's saying hello to all those horses. I said hello to all the horses, and then they, they, the horses, would would form a tight pack. Oh, yep. No, that's that's the wrong word. I'm going to have to. What's a horse group together? A group of horses. Group of horses is a. Not a herd. It's not? This is a. No, that's cows. Okay. And I really feel like I need to know, I should know, I already it? know this. And I already know this. I've watched enough Westerns and Mustangs in the West. Group of horses. Don't tell me. Um, this is very interesting for the listeners. Oh, group of horses is called. It's called. You're a, never going to get it. No. No. Give me I, the first letter. I've never heard of it. Can you give me the first letter? Oh, sorry. Hang on. What? It is, alter- it is alternately called. There's many things for it, but it could be called a team. A team, which of horses. is well, which, that's in a draft team, which is an embarrassment that. for a team development. Well, no, so that's a team of horses when you're like doing, you're pulling things. That's okay, but the other one is begins with an H. An H. Oh, I'm not. Maybe I won't get it. An harass. A harass of horses. Yeah. This, Over, if it's all colts, it's oh, a rag. A rag of colts. Okay. Yeah. And then. It could be a string. That's, uh, maybe I'm reading the wrong thing. I'm in Old Farmer's Almanac. Siri, what is a group of horses called? Damn, it ain't not Siri. The answer I found is Harris. Yeah, Harris. Harris. String, herd, okay. and drove. A drove of horses. I guess there's lots of... But a harass is like... I mean, that seems harassing. that seems sensible for me because I don't like them. So it's so very let me harassing. Add, so a harass of horses mm. would... Get tightly together and carry me off on their backs, as you've said numerous times. In, About squirrels? Uh, no, you, people are always carrying oh, you off. On the- <laughs> I mentioned before in another episode that I think, it, I, and I think it was Taylor's episode, where I 
used to dream as an outdoor educator that I could call the squirrels to me. Squirrels. And they could carry me as like a carpet of squirrels and I wouldn't have to walk all the trails. (laughs) So you could do this at Penn State. You can feed the squirrels right off the sidewalk and they'll come right to you. Yeah. Um, So the the harass of horses horses. would get a tight pack. I would get on the back of them. The middle middle one. I wouldn't want to hurt them. So I would kind of spread out. And then oh, uh, like they would ice. carry me off into the sunset. I have heard, actually, that the way that you climb on her ass of horses is similar to if you were trying to get across ice that had broken. I imagine it would be. Which yeah. is spreading your body weight. Yeah, across um, the harass of horses. That's exactly the harass of horses. That's a well-known quote uh, that I think <laughs> you'll good. find, that you spread your body across the harass of horses. Um, okay, once again, we've gone off tangent because it's 9.30. Um, uh this ACCC conference but once again bring it all the way back to the start thank you Chris um, I've mentioned you many times in previous episodes but people already probably already know who you are and I don't want to seem that this is super gushy but thank you uh, for all that you've done for me but I'm sure other students and the students you work for at Penn State because um, you are very friendly very nice but very helpful in cultivating people into this field so thank you for oh, yeah. taking the time to talk with me and on this podcast thank you been a pleasure all right goodbye thanks for listening to vertical playcast and then what about thanks for listening to high fives podcast can you do it okay try Thanks for getting us a the guy. <laughs>